uh, in our service. And uh, as I mentioned, I believe Rocky might be making an appearance as well. And, uh, uh, and so I'll be back this evening at 6 o'clock. Tonight we're in the book of Ephesians chapter, or this morning we're in the book of Ephesians chapter 3. And um, last week we just began looking at the first couple verses here. Um, we'll begin in verse number 1 and read down through verse number 7. He says, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to you word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his uh, holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Father, we do thank you that we can come this morning. And uh, Lord, we ask that you would just bless now as we open your word. Uh, Lord, use it to speak to our hearts. And I pray, Lord, that you would just uh, work as only you can. Uh, Lord, convict us and draw us closer to you. Lord, we do pray if there might be someone that may not know uh, Jesus Christ as their Savior, that they do not have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Lord, that you would help them understand they can have that today. Uh, Lord, it's not through this church or not through any good works that they can do, but it is only through Jesus Christ and what he has done uh, for them on the cross. And so, Father, we ask that you just work through the service now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, last week we looked really at verse number one where Paul says, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, and how Paul was looking at himself as a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And uh, we, I asked the question, Whose prisoner are you? Because you are a prisoner of someone. Uh, you're either a prisoner of Jesus Christ or you're a prisoner of your job, you're a prisoner of your family, you're a prisoner of, of something. There's something that is controlling your life. Paul wanted it to be Jesus Christ. And that's what every Christian ought to desire, that Jesus Christ would control our life. And he speaks about why. He says, for you Gentiles. Uh, And God had given Paul uh, this message of grace to give to the Gentiles. But notice he comes in verse number two. He says, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you word. So Paul speaks about the dispensation of the grace of God. I mentioned this last week we're going to be, that we were going to be looking at this uh, just as we continue our study through the book of Ephesians. But what is the dispensation of the grace of God? Because Paul says that you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me, Paul said, it's been given to him for you. So Paul says this dispensation of the grace of God has been given to him for them and for us. So what is this dispensation of the grace of God? And if there is a dispensation of grace, then are there other dispensations? And what is a dispensation? I mean, we look at that word like dispensation. What, is, what does that even mean? That's, that's, not a, that's not a word we typically use in, in our language today, dispensation, right? So what is a dispensation? And... Are there others? Well, the word dispensation is only found four times in the Bible. Uh, It's found, all four times is found in the New Testament. 
right? Twice here in the book of Ephesians, we find the word dispensation, once in 1 Corinthians and once in Colossians. I think it's important when we have a word like this that we're not really familiar with, that it's important we look and see what Scripture is telling us about this word, right? So let's look at a couple of these passages. Again, there's just four of them in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 in verses 16 and 17. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 16 and 17, Paul says, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me, yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. So here's one time when we find this word. And again, all four times that we find this word dispensation, it is by the apostle Paul. And he says here that a dispensation of the gospel is committed to me. And and notice kind of what he says here. Paul says, I'm preaching the gospel. uh, And if I do it willingly, uh, or if if I do this willingly, I have a reward. But if I don't do it, but if I do it against my will, he says, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. In Colossians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 through 26, Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 through 26, Paul says, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given me or which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. So again, Paul says here in Colossians chapter two, he talks about the dispensation of God, which is given me, given to me for you. Again, he says in Ephesians chapter one, Ephesians chapter one, verse number nine and 10 having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. So here in Ephesians 1, he says that the dispensation of the fullness of times. So think about this. In 1 Corinthians, he said, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. In Colossians, he says, according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you. In Ephesians 1, he says, in the dispensation of the fullness of time, he might gather together one and all things in Christ. And now here again in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 2, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to me to you word. Now, when we look at all of these four different times, this word dispensation is given. We might think of a dispensation as a period of time, right? A a, a time period. And and that is part of it. The problem is that that a, a dispensation is not a set period of time per se, right? But the word dispensation here signifies primarily stewardship. How many times did we find Paul saying it was given to me for you? 
It was given to me for you. If I don't do it will if I do it willingly, there is a reward. But if I don't do it willingly, a dispensation is given to me. There is a stewardship, right? That's what the word dispensation, it primarily has to do with stewardship or the management or disposition of affairs that have been entrusted to someone. Okay? So this word uh, this word that we find here, this dispensation, uh, it has to do with a time period, and we'll see this in a moment, but it signifies primarily a stewardship that, again, when we think of stewardship, we understand when somebody is a steward of something, it means that they are watching over something that does not belong to them, right? They're watching over something that belongs to somebody else, but... It also means that that person who is watching over it must give account of how they have watched over it to that person. Does that make sense? We all together here, right? So think about what he's saying here. And this is why Paul says back in 1 Corinthians, if I preach the gospel willingly, I have a reward. But if I don't do that, a dispensation, there is a stewardship that is required of me. There is something I'm going to be accountable if I don't do this. And this dispensation of God in Colossians and then the dispensation of the fullness of time here in Ephesians 1 and here now in chapter 3. So throughout these time periods, and we're going to see, um, we believe there are actually, and we'll, we'll look at these just briefly this morning, that there are seven dispensations Think about what he, we just read in, uh, uh, in Ephesians chapter 1, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, the dispensation of the fullness of times, right? That means there is a, there's an end to something, right? So there's an end to this dispensation. So throughout these time periods, we see how God is dealing with man during these time periods, but also the stewardship that God expects of man during these time periods. Okay? So the time, time belongs to God, right? God, God, God owns it all. God, God is the one that gave us time, right? He created everything. He put the stars in place. He put the moon. He put the sun. He put the rotation. He, he did it all for the, the seasons and the times and things. That all belongs to God. And so God says, I'm giving you time, there's times that I'm going to give you. And in those times, there is stewardship that is required. So let's very quickly, and as much as we can, we're going to look at this. Um, because even in the book of Hebrews chapter one, in Hebrews chapter one, in verse number one and two, the Bible says, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past, under the fathers by the prophets. So again, even in Hebrews, he's showing in the past, God spoke a certain way to man, but now he's speaking a different way, right? He says, but now hath in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. So he's saying in the past, God spoke in these other times through the prophets, but now, as Paul is, is writing here, he says, but now God has spoken through his son, right? And so we, when we think about this, there's obviously uh, the, these time periods that we're going to be looking at here. 
And when we think of this idea of sundry times, it means in, in many parts of time. Diverse manners means in different ways. So God hasn't spoken and dealt with man the same throughout all time, right? And I think you'll see that as we go through this. So let's look at the first dispensation. The first dispensation is what we would call the dispensation of innocence. The dispensation of innocence. This would be back in Genesis chapter 1. You have Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. And this dispensation of innocence covers the time period that Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden. So what do we find in this dispensation? How did God deal with man? Amazingly, God walked with them in the garden. Wouldn't that be amazing? For God to be able to walk with man in the garden, there was no sin. This is the dispensation of innocence. There's no sin at this point. God has put Adam and Eve in the garden. God commanded them to be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth and have dominion over it. The one thing they were told not to do was not to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And God warned them if they did, there would be both physical and spiritual death if they chose to disobey. Spiritual death, he said, the day that you eat of it, thou shalt surely die. The day they ate of it, they were separated from God. But God also said it's also going to bring physical death. And of course, we know that Adam lived 930 years after this time period. And uh, 930 years was uh, the age when Adam died. And so uh, we have this dispensation of innocence, God dealing with man. And guess what? Guess what we find in this dispensation? Stewardship accountability. God said, I've placed you here. This is what I've required of you. This is what you're not supposed to do. And what happened? They chose to disobey God. And what happened? God required that dispensation. He required stewardship. What do we find? This age of innocence ended when Adam and Eve chose to sin against God. They chose to disobey God, and it ended when they ate from the fruit and they sinned. Now, as we continue, look, you'll find, guess what? God doesn't talk. God doesn't deal with man the same way anymore. God doesn't walk with us physically. There is no innocence now. Now we are cursed by sin, right? So we have the dispensation of innocence. Notice, secondly, there's the dispensation of conscience, the dispensation of conscience. This is from Genesis chapter 3 all the way through Genesis chapter 8. This time period, and by the way, the, eight, the dispensation of innocence, we don't really know what time period that covers. We don't know how long Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden. We don't know that. There's no way to know. You say, well, I think it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what you think. The Bible does not tell us, okay? So it doesn't really matter what anybody thinks. The Bible doesn't tell us how long they were there. And that's okay. We don't have to know. It's okay, right? Now, the age of, or the dispensation of conscience, we do know this time period because this covers about 1,650 years from when Adam and Eve sinned until the flood in Genesis chapter 8. This dispensation shows what happens to mankind when left to his own will and conscience. When man is left to their own ideas, if you want to know what will happen if you follow your heart, read Genesis chapter 6, 7, and 8. Follow your heart. Follow your, just do what you think is right. Uh, no, that was the dispensation of conscience. That's what man did in that time period. They just followed their heart. 
And because of this, God had to destroy the earth with a global flood. We find the curse in this time period because of sin, both on man and on woman. We find the curse on the ground, the curse on the serpent. But also in this, we find the promise of Christ as the seed who will one day bruise the serpent's head. So again, in this time period, God is dealing differently with man. He's not walking with them in the garden anymore. Now there is this dispensation of conscience. Then thirdly, we have the dispensation of human government. Uh, after the flood, this be- the beginning of the human race, after the destruction of the world flood through the, uh, uh, the destruction of the world through the flood, uh, Genesis chapter 11 on, one family restarts the human race, the family of Noah. Noah and his wife and his three sons and, and their wives. Man, again, is given dominion over the animals and over the, uh, the, the world here. They're allowed to eat meat at this time. Praise God for that. Amen. Um, there is capital punishment that is established during this time. Um, we have God's promise to never destroy the earth with, with, a, with a flood, which is the sign of the rainbow, God's rainbow. The original rainbow is God's sign that he would never destroy the, the world with a flood again, right? But what happens? Man is given dominion over all these things, and as they begin to repopulate the earth, they do not obey God. They do not scatter and fill the earth as God had commanded, but instead they chose to remain in one spot. This is what we would know as the Tower of Babel. They tried to build a tower to reach heaven, and so what did God do? God confounded their languages so that they would have to disperse throughout the whole earth. Now we have different languages, and through those languages, now we see the rise of different nations and different cultures. And from that point on, human government has been in existence. Now you have all these different languages and cultures and and things taking place. The, The dispensation of human government. Then we have, number four, the dispensation of promise. The dispensation of promise. This, of course, begins in Genesis, uh, really, chapter 12 and goes through Exodus chapter 11 because it begins with the call of Abraham and continues through the patriarchs and ends with the exodus of God's people out of Egypt. So this dispensation of promise, again, uh, conscience, uh, God had to destroy mankind because of their wickedness. And then human government, God said, hey, you're not being obedient to me. Again, in every one of these dispensations, we see this stewardship that God says, hey, you are accountable for what you do. You're accountable for what God has given to you. God says, hey, I want you to go and uh, fill up the earth. They said, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to stay in the Tower of Babel. We're going to stay here and build this, uh, this great monument to show how great we are. God said, that's not what I told you to do. And so God confounds their languages and sends them all across the world. Now we have all these different languages and cultures and things. And then God brings one man or God calls one man by the name of Abraham. And God gives him a very special promise in Genesis chapter 12. And during this time is when we find the, the Jewish or Hebrew or Israeli nation is established as God's chosen people through Abraham. And again, God is speaking directly to, to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. And, uh, and, and God is speaking through them. And so through Abraham would come a great nation and would bless all the families of the earth. Both natural and spiritual prosperity would come. Of course, the sign of the Abrahamic covenant was circumcision, and God said he would bless those that bless them and curse those that curse them. 
God says more importantly, though, that it is through this dispensation of promise. It is through Abraham and it's through this nation that is going to rise through his seed that this Israeli nation or the Jewish nation that the deliverer was going to come going to come to deliver through the, this nation. And this is why all nations would be blessed because of this man, Abraham, because it was through his seed that God would bring the deliverer. And so you have the dispensation of promise, God's promise to Abraham. And then we find the fifth dispensation. That is the dispensation of law. Again, you see how God is dealing differently with mankind through these different dispensations. The dispensation of law, of course, we find in Exodus chapter 19 and 20. This covers about 1,500 years from the Exodus until the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This dispensation of law. Of course, this is when God called Israel out of Egypt, and God brings them to Mount Sinai and gives them the law of Moses. Now they're under the law of Moses right? And so now we find God dealing with him through Moses and, uh, and through the, the, the priest system, through the Levites is set up, and God is now speaking through the prophets and then ends with Israel rejecting God and going into bondage. Again, what do we find? Stewardship. God said, this is what I've given you. This is what I expect of you. They rejected God. They turned away from God. Now, what we're going to do is I'm going to skip the sixth dispensation because we're going to come back to that. That's where we're going to uh, uh, spend much of our, most of the rest of our time here this morning because the sixth dispensation is uh, the dispensation of grace, which is what Paul is speaking about here in Ephesians. But we're going to skip over that real quick because I want to give you the seventh one, then we'll come back to the sixth. The seventh one is the dispensation of the kingdom. The dispensation of the kingdom. This dispensation will last, and we know exactly how long, for a thousand years. One thousand years. As Jesus Christ will rule and reign on the earth in Jerusalem. So this is amazing. At the beginning, the dispensation of, of innocence, we have God with man. The last dispensation, the seventh dispensation, the, the dispensation of the kingdom. Guess what we have again? God with man. You say, wait, I thought you said it was Jesus. That's right. God with man. Because Jesus is God. And Jesus Christ is going to be ruling and reigning on the earth now for that thousand years right there in Jerusalem. And he is going to be visible. He's not going to be invisible. It's not going to be some spiritual kingdom. No, this is a physical kingdom. He is going to have his feet there and he's going to come down. He's going to set his feet on uh, uh, Mount Zion uh, and he's going to rule and reign in Jerusalem for a thousand years. And so what do we find? Satan bound during this time. At the end, he'll be loose for a short period of time. And guess what we find again? Stewardship. At the end, Satan is going to be loosed and he's going to go out and deceive the nations for a little bit. And, and then they're going to come and they're going to, God is going to bring the, the, uh, Satan and all of his followers and they're going to try to destroy Jesus Christ. They're going to go against God and God is going to demand accountability and God's going to destroy them. Why? Because of stewardship, because of this dispensation. Every dispensation, there is accountability. And after this, God's judgment, will, God will destroy the world by fire and will make a new heaven and a new earth. And then those of us who know Christ as our Savior will be with God for all of eternity. Praise God for that, right? But we're not in any of those dispensations. 
we're in number six. So let's go back to, and look at number six, because this is what Paul is speaking about. And I, I, wanted to, I wanted to just go over these this morning, because it's important that we understand these, because if we don't understand them, we're not going to understand what Paul is speaking about when he talks about the dispensation of the grace of God. What, what is this dispensation then? What is this dispensation of grace? And why is Paul speaking about it? And why is Paul saying it's given to me for you? But if we understand that these dispensations, these time periods are not just periods of time, but also stewardship and accountability. And that in every one of them, man is accountable to God. Man is accountable to God for what God has given to them. And in each one, God deals with them a little bit different way. And what do we find here in number six, the dispensation of grace? We find God dealing with man a little bit differently. This is the time period that we are living in now, this dispensation of grace. It began with the new covenant in Jesus Christ. It's also referred to as the age of grace, or some people also refer to it as the church age. This is this dispensation of grace that Paul is speaking about. He says, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which has given me to you word. Again, think about it. What was the dispensation right before grace? You remember what was the fifth dispensation right before grace? Three letter word law. Can I tell you grace is very different than law. It's very different, right? And so Paul is speaking about this new dispensation, right? No longer under the law of Moses anymore, but now under grace, under this dispensation of grace that he is speaking about. He says, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to given me to you word, how that by revelation, he, Jesus Christ, made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. This was the mystery that Paul is speaking about here in Ephesians. Notice in verse number three, he calls it the mystery. And then in verse number four, he calls it the mystery of Christ. This mystery, right? Now, what is a mystery? How many of you like reading mysteries? Like reading mysteries? You like watching mysteries, listening to mysteries, right? It's always, you got, you got to figure out the who done it, right? And you're like, oh, I think it's this guy. And then like halfway through, you're like, no, it's not that guy. I think it's this person now. And then three quarters away, you're like, maybe it's the first guy. Maybe I had it wrong, right? A mystery is it's there because you don't know how it's going to end. You don't know anything about it, right? Paul uses this word mystery. Why? Because, and he explains that this was not known in previous ages. Look what he says. In verse number five, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men. So again, in these past dispensations, this dispensation of the grace was not made known. Now, they knew about the kingdom that had been promised, right? In the promise, there, the Israel would be a great nation and, and there was going to be a kingdom come and all of this. But no one knew about the dispensation of grace. It was a mystery. In fact, I love how he says in verse number four, the mystery of Christ, the mystery of Christ. Oh, in the Old Testament, they were looking for a deliverer. They were looking for the Messiah, but they were not looking for Jesus. 
They were looking for someone who would come and bring victory over their, their enemies. But they were not looking for someone to give them a relationship with God. They were not looking for someone to forgive their sins. Remember, again, under the law, remember under the priests and everything, every time that you sinned, you could not go to God. You had to go to a priest. You would go to the priest and you would have to bring a sacrifice. And as you would bring that sacrifice and you would see that sacrifice slain and the blood that was being shed, it would be a reminder that sin costs. There is a payment for sin. But every time you would bring that sacrifice, every time bringing it, recognizing that that sacrifice that you brought, whether it was a lamb or whether it was a bullock or whether it was turtle doves or whatever it was, that sacrifice was never sufficient to pay for your sin. That sacrifice was never sufficient to bring that relationship between God and man back together. Never sufficient. That's why even the high priest only one time could enter into the Holy of Holies a year. Only one time could he actually enter into the Holy of Holies, into the presence of God. None of the other priests could do that. None of the other Jews could do that. Only one man, one time a year, was able to enter into the presence of God just once. Why does he call it the mystery of Christ? Because now when Jesus Christ comes and Jesus Christ, the the son of God, the God man himself, when Jesus Christ left his throne in heaven and was willing to be born in that little manger in Bethlehem and to live a perfect sinless life and then give his life as a ransom on the cross, as a propitiation for our sins, Jesus Christ was willing to say, hey, I will take your sin upon myself. Those, those, those rams and the lambs and, and the, the turtle doves and the bullocks and all those, they couldn't take away your sin because they're just animals. But the lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world was willing to come and die upon the cross to take away our sin. Jesus Christ was willing to take your sin and my sin upon ourselves. And when he did that, when he took your sin upon himself, and when we by faith, by, by faith put our trust in Jesus Christ to save us from our sin, then God is able to be reunited with man again. That temple that was in the, in, uh, that curtain that was in the temple was torn in two. Now man has direct access to God through Jesus Christ. Now, we don't have to go to a priest. Praise God for that. We don't have to go to another man and confess our sins. We don't have to go to anybody. We can go directly to God because of what Jesus Christ has done. That was a mystery. Nobody knew this was going to happen. The mystery of Christ, of what Jesus, not just bringing physical deliverance, but spiritual deliverance. And what happened? The Jews rejected him. We're not looking for spiritual deliverance. We're looking for physical deliverance. We're not looking to be made right with God. No, no, no. We're Abraham's children. They weren't looking to be made right with God. They thought they were okay. They just wanted physical deliverance. God said, no, no, you need much more than that. You need spiritual deliverance. And unfortunately, today, there's a lot of people that think, I don't need spiritual deliverance. I'm good. I just need physical deliverance. God, deliver me from my sicknesses. God, deliver me from my job. 
and the people that I work with. God, deliver me from uh, my financial problems. God, deliver me from all these different problems. We're just looking for physical deliverance. Friend, that's not what Jesus came to offer. Jesus came to offer spiritual deliverance. And it is only through Jesus Christ that we can be made right with that relationship with God again. Only through him. And Paul says, this is the dispensation that has been given to me for you. Again, this was a mystery. It was a mystery before it was all under the law, all about the sacrifices, all about the priests. But he says, now, hey, we don't need the sacrifices anymore. We don't need the priests. Now it's through Christ, what Jesus Christ has done. And he explains that this was not known in previous ages. If it was, then it wouldn't be a mystery. The mystery is that you and I, watch what he says in verse number six, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. He says, here's the mystery, that you and I as Gentiles can be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers in God's promise. How? By the gospel. What is the gospel? It is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, this is what the Jews didn't like. This is why the the Jews thought only they could be saved. The rest of the world could not. And this is why this was so hard for them to grasp that Jesus would be willing to save a Gentile. That Jesus would be willing to save those that were not Jews, those that were not Abraham's children. Aren't you glad that Jesus came for the whole world? Not just for the Jews, but for the Gentiles as well. And this is what he's saying. This was a mystery to the Jews. They didn't understand this. And this is why many of the Jews rejected. This is why even Paul, think about it, his own people turned against him because he was preaching this message. This is why he's sitting in a Roman prison writing this message in Ephesians to the Ephesian people. He's sitting in jail because he's saying, hey, anybody who believes can be saved. You don't have to have a certain heritage or a certain background. You don't have to have a certain education or have a a certain amount in your bank account. doesn't matter if you're educated, uneducated. Anybody who's willing to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ can be saved. Praise God for that. Friend, if it wasn't for that, you and I would be lost. We couldn't have salvation if it wasn't for Christ. That's what Jesus Christ has done. And this was the mystery in Daniel chapter 9. We are told about the 70 weeks of Daniel, but we find between the 69th and the 70th week, there's, there's a time period. What is this age of grace? And we know that this dispensation that we are in, this dispensation of grace has lasted about 2,000 years because it began at the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it continues now. One day, it's going to end. Guess when it ends? Isn't that a great day? When it ends is when Jesus Christ comes and takes all the believers back to heaven with him. What a great day that's going to be. Amen? Praise God. Man, we look forward to that day. We're like, and even John says, even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen. If you're ready. You know, sometimes we can quote what men have said, not understanding they were ready. John was ready. He said, even come, Lord Jesus. Paul said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. I'm ready. A lot of times we want to say we're ready, but here's the problem. We haven't fought a good fight yet. We haven't finished the course yet. 
and then we're trying to say we're ready? I'm afraid that there's a lot of Christians who aren't ready for Jesus Christ to come. This dispensation will end when Jesus returns to take the church to heaven. And praise God, this dispensation includes both Jew and Gentile. Man's responsibility, though, through this time is not the law, but now it is grace. Man's responsibility now is to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We just read back in Ephesians chapter 2 a couple weeks ago, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. God says salvation is by grace through faith. God's grace is offered, but faith must receive it. God's grace is offered, but if you don't receive it by faith, it doesn't do anything for you. You say, well, I'm a good person. That doesn't mean anything. Well, I'm a member of a church. That doesn't mean anything. Well, I've been baptized. That doesn't mean anything. For by grace are you saved through faith. He doesn't say, for by grace are you saved through baptism or church membership or keeping the Ten Commandments. No, no. For by grace are you saved through faith. Not of yourselves. Not anything you can do. Why? It's the gift of God. Why? Lest any man should boast. What happens when we start getting involved? We start saying just like they did. Look at me. We may not be Abraham's children, but I mean, look at all that I do. I mean, you're not going to find anybody more faithful to church than me. I mean, I have read my Bible cover to cover. I, I give my tithe. I mean, just look at me. That's why God says it's not by anything that you do. Because it's not about looking at you, it's about looking to him. It's about looking at Jesus Christ. He says, for by grace are you saved through faith. Not by what we can do, but by faith in Christ. So what we have to realize then in this dispensation that we are in, and this is what Paul understood. We're going to get more into this next week as we go down uh, and and, and dig deeper into this chapter here. But what we have to realize is that stewardship is required for each dispensation. Again, that word dispensation implies stewardship. It implies accountability. So here's the thing you have to understand. It doesn't matter if you're saved or lost here this morning, or if you're watching via live stream, it doesn't matter if you're saved or lost. You're in this dispensation of grace. Guess what? You're responsible to God. You're responsible to God for this dispensation. Whether you will accept God's gift of grace or you will reject God's gift of grace, you're responsible to God. You say, well, I don't want to choose. Then you've already chosen. You've chosen to reject it. You say, well, I'm just not religious. It's not about being religious. It's about accountability. It's about stewardship. God has placed you in this dispensation. Look, we're not in the dispensation of the law. We're not into the dispensation of promise or uh, human government or conscience or innocence. We're not in any of those. We're not in the kingdom. We are in this dispensation. This is the one that God says you and I are accountable for. This is the one that we are stewards of, the stewardship. Just as Paul said that the dispensation of grace was given to him for us, 
we must realize that this dispensation is not just for us. But we are to be good stewards of this dispensation of grace that God has given to us. Just as Paul said, hey, this dispensation has been given to me. It wasn't just to Paul. Paul's just understanding, hey, in this dispensation of grace, I understand I'm accountable to God. I I have to give an account to God for how I live my life here. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to live my life for you. I'm going to try to tell as many people as I can about Jesus Christ. I'm going to try to help as many people can grow in their relationship with Christ. Why? Because I'm accountable to God. I'm accountable to God for this dispensation that I'm in. Think about what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 9. He says, wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. There it is. Every one of us as Christians are going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Think about this. God says every one of us is Christians. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you know there's been a time when you've accepted Jesus Christ. as You have a personal relationship. I'm not just talking about knowing about him. There's a lot of people that know about him. But that doesn't mean you know him. It doesn't mean you know him. I was talking to somebody the other day. They said, aren't you Pastor Andrew? I said, yes. I didn't know this person. I said, uh, can I ask? <laughs> have we met before? Nope, never met. Did you steal my wallet or something? Or, you know, how do you know who I am? He said, we've watched your church's live stream. Oh, well, that makes sense. Now, by watching the church's live stream, though, does he know me? No, he knows about me. He knows about me by watching the live stream. But now that we've actually met in person and now we've talked, now he can say, I know him. See, there's a lot of people that know about God. They know about Jesus, but they don't know him personally. And maybe you're here this morning, you've heard about Jesus. Oh, you've been to church. You've heard the Bible stories. You've heard it all, but you don't know him personally. My friend, we'd love to take the word of God and show you how you can know him personally, how you can have your sins forgiven, that what Jesus did on the cross was not just for a select few for the world and that he wants you to know him as your savior but christian you say i know jesus is my savior yes i know i'm saved i know that there's been a time in my life where i've accepted jesus christ as my savior then this dispensation of grace has been given to you it's been given to you you know jesus christ is your savior this dispensation of grace has been given to you Now, for what purpose? Just so that you can be saved? Just so that you can have a home in heaven? Just so that your sins can be forgiven? No. This dispensation of grace has been given to you so that you can now help others understand what it is about. This dispensation, this 
understanding that salvation is now by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, now that we can share that with others. And this is why he says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that we must all, everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. This is why he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, for the love of Christ constraineth us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. If Jesus Christ died for every person, that means every person is dead spiritually and that he died for all, that they which live, those who know Christ as their savior, should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. He said, here's this dispensation of grace. Jesus Christ died to save you from your sins. And we can say, praise God for that. But that's not all it's about. He said, now it's not just about you living for yourself. No, Now it's about living for Jesus Christ and making sure that others know about Jesus Christ, making sure that others can know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sins, making sure others know that they can put their faith and trust in him. You say, pastor, has every person you've ever told about Jesus Christ accepted? No. No, they haven't. But see, that's not on me. It's not on me whether they accept or reject. You know why? Because that's on them. Because every one of us will stand account before God. I will stand account to God before for for me, for what I have done. I'm not going to stand account to God before you. You're going to have to stand before Jesus Christ for what you have done. You're not going to be like standing before Jesus Christ. Hey, pastor, come over here and tell God how good I was, how good I was at church. I was there every Sunday. No, I am sorry. You're on your own, friend. I got my, I got my own problems. I'm going to have to stand before him too. Do we understand that? Do we understand that this dispensation of grace that we are in right now, God says there is stewardship involved. We are stewards of this grace. And with that stewardship comes responsibility and accountability. We're not here just to live for self. And this is why Paul says, the love of Christ constraineth us. The love of Christ, when we understand what Jesus Christ did, it constrains us, it compels us, that we just can't live for self. I just can't live for myself. Look, can I, can I be very, I'm going to just be real honest with you this morning. If I was living for self, I would not be up here this morning. If I was living for self, I would not have spent years in Africa as a missionary. I wouldn't be a preacher of the gospel. If I was living for self, I wouldn't be doing that. But here's the thing I understand. I understand that I, me, Andrew Stensis, will have to give an account to Jesus Christ for what I have done with this grace, with this this dispensation that he has given to me. How do I want to stand before him? Understanding what he has done for me, that Jesus Christ was willing to leave the throne and splendor and glory of heaven to come to this earth to die for me. And then for me to say, I'll accept Jesus as my savior and then I'll just go live however I want to live. And friend, we don't understand the love of Christ. Paul says the love of Christ 
constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live, that's you and I if we know Christ, should not henceforth live unto themselves. We're not here to live for self. We're not here just to live however we want to live. Friend, we've got, we've got something to look forward to. We, we've got eternity with Jesus Christ to look forward to. Why would we, we be so wrapped up in now? What does this have to compare with what Jesus is offering? And yet this is what we're focused on. He says, oh, no, 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 no. That they which live should not live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. This is why he says, this dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, word. This dispensation of grace has been given to me so that I can share it with you. And this dispensation of grace that has been given to me has been given to me so that I can share it with others. Whether that would be those in Uganda, East Africa, or Eaton, Ohio, wherever it might be. That's why I'm here. And I have to realize one day this dispensation is going to end. It's going to end. And when it ends, I'm accountable. I'm accountable. I'm responsible for what I have done for Jesus Christ during this time. What have I done? I wonder with her heads bowed and her eyes closed this morning. No one looking about. What have you done for Christ? What are you doing for Christ? Friend, We don't know when this dispensation is going to end. We don't know when Jesus Christ is going to return and take us back to be with him. But we know that one day it will. Either we will die or Jesus Christ will return. One day, you and I will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. And we will have to give an account of what we have done with the dispensation of grace. Are we just living for self? Or are we, like Paul, living to give it out and to share it with others so that they too can know about Jesus Christ and the grace that he offers? Friend, maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you don't have that personal relationship with him. You say, Pastor, I'm going to be very honest. I don't. At least I don't think I do. I don't really know if I do or not. But I would like to know how I could have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I would like to know that. Friend, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out or anything. But I would like to pray for you this morning. And if that's you, if you say, Pastor, that's me, I'd like to know how I can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Would you just slip your hand up this morning, put it right up and put it right back down. Nobody's looking about, just me. Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure if I'm saved. I'm not sure if I have that personal relationship with Jesus. Just slip your hand up and put it right back down. Nobody else is looking about. Pastor, pray for me. And friend, that means the majority of of people in here, you're saying that you're saved. 
you're saying that you're a Christian, you're saying you know Jesus as your Savior, then friend, do you understand that with this dispensation of grace comes responsibility? We will stand accountable to Jesus Christ for how we have lived in this dispensation. Are we living for Him or are we just living for self? Father, I pray you'd work in our hearts this morning. Lord, help us to understand, Lord, this this dispensation we are in, Lord, is not just for us. And we, we can thank you that we know Christ as our Savior. Lord, it's not just about that and now we just live however we want. But Lord, it's about sharing that with others. It's been given to us so that we can share it with others. So, Father, I pray you'd help us. Lord, may we not just live for self. But because we are alive, may we live for you. The one who gave himself, who died, was buried, and rose again for us. Lord, if there's someone here that does not know Jesus as their Savior, we pray that you'd help them to realize that it is only through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone that they can be saved. Father, bless the invitation now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.